It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. This is Access Atlanta, your weekly look at what's fun, entertaining, and educational in and around Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Every week, we're here to help you get ready for the weekend and bring you conversations with some of the most interesting people in arts, culture, food, and entertainment. Let's get started with a couple of events that are happening around town this week. Moving beyond a reality show appearance isn't always easy. Among American Idol alums, only a handful have built resumes so rich, the origin story is a mere starting point. Examples include Kelly Clarkson, Jennifer Hudson, and Carrie Underwood. Among the men, Adam Lambert is arguably the most successful. He didn't win season 8 13 years ago, but he built a worldwide fan base with a successful solo career that led to his stint as lead singer of Queen since 2014. Since then, he's balanced both sides of his music career, as well as several reality show judging gigs. Rodney Ho recently spoke with Lambert about his career in advance of his upcoming show at the Eastern on May 6th. You'll find his interview on the Georgia Entertainment Scene blog at AJC.com. Festive hats, tasty food, mint juleps, and a horse race are on the menu as the Kentucky Derby returns on May 7th. You don't have to travel to the Bluegrass State to join the fun. There are plenty of ways to celebrate and watch the race right here in Atlanta, and we'll tell you about a few of them in our story on AJC.com. Stay tuned for more events later in the podcast, and after the featured conversation, we'll take a look at what the AJC is bringing you this week, both online and in print. But first, we'll hear from artist Gary Lockwood, who has a new show at SCAD. Sneakers are everywhere, but they're usually on our feet. Gary Lockwood, a.k.a. Freehand Profit, turns them into incredible art. He deconstructs rare, expensive, and classic sneakers into elaborate masks that comment on modern crises like civil unrest, war, and climate change, while paying tribute to the MCs, DJs, graffiti artists, and b-boys who laid the foundation for hip-hop and sneaker culture. Remarkably, the masks retain the markings and style of the original shoes. Featuring more than 30 works borrowed from collectors around the world, face value at SCAD Fash Museum of Fashion and Film is Lockwood's first museum exhibition, and Felicia Feaster recently spoke with Lockwood about his fascinating work. Welcome, Felicia. Hi, Shane. How are you? I'm great, and uh, this sounds like a really interesting show. It's, it's something that, that I've never, never seen before. 
might be a little uh, frightening to real sneakerheads out there because he is deconstructing these masks or these sneakers, turning them into masks. So taking something some people view as almost sacred, their beloved um, uh, sneakers. But I think it's so fascinating, the connections between um, what Freehand Prophet is doing and what hip hop artists do. You know, he's He's remixing, he's sampling, creating something new um, out of this material of the sneaker, which is really what hip hop artists do. So I think it's, you know, fascinating. It's very much this project in the spirit of someone like an Andy Warhol, of course, who, who took the iconic Campbell soup can and turned that into art. He comes from a long tradition of artists who take popular culture and remake it and make us see it in a new light because of the museum context. And yes, this is his first um, museum show. Yeah, I love, I, I've just seen, you know, photos of, of some of the work and, and I think it's really amazing that he manages to still make the sneakers kind of recognizable. It, it's that you can still see their the distinctive markings that that make those sneakers what they are within the mask. Absolutely. And he really taps into sort of the meaning of sneakers, how they are a sort of protection. They're a sign of one's status, of course, that you can afford this, you know, gleaming pair of Nike Air Maxes, but they're also awake kind of asserting your your identity and and that's what he's talking about with these masks that they have protective properties that they're protecting the person wearing them in the tradition you know of a mask throughout the history of art and and culture so yeah it's a it's a really nuanced use of the material you can still you know identify as you say that these are brand name sneakers and you know he's done a lot of work with uh companies like um puma and reebok and adidas so he he's definitely uh made some great alliances with the companies making these sneakers because they are still so identifiable as, as you know, sneakers. Oh, terrific. Uh, I can't wait to see the show and, and it's gonna be up uh, through the summer um, into September, it's, I believe. Right, it's up through September 11th. So you have some time to get over to SCAD um, Fashion Museum and, and check it out. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for bringing us this, Felicia. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right. Let's hear from Gary Lockwood, also known as Freehand Profit. This is Felicia Feaster. I am here with Gary Lockwood, a.k.a. Freehand Profit, whose work is the subject of an exhibition called Face Value at SCAD Fash Museum of Fashion and Film at SCAD's Peachtree Street campus through September 11th. Do you want me to call you Gary? That works for me. <laughs> so here's my very bare bones setup of your art on view at SCAD Fash. You take sneakers and you turn them into masks but maybe you could explain the process of what you do in a little more detail. Sure, uh, so uh, that's a great way to sum it up. Um, since 2010, I've been transforming uh, highly coveted sneakers into one-of-kind masks, um, most best known for my work with gas masks. Uh, and 
I've also branched out from there in a number of different ways, including uh, like you'll see at face value, a taxidermic coyote uh, made out of used sneakers as well. What is the story behind your um, freehand profit name? Sure. Uh, that's actually something that I came up with in the eighth grade back when I was starting to write graffiti. Um, the freehand part references uh, basically all the times that I was drawing in school and uh, my classmates would walk up to me and ask, did you draw that freehand? Asking, you know, did you trace that? Um, and the second part, profit, of course, referring to, as many artists know, you know, when you tell someone like, oh, I want to be an artist when I grow up, they'll tell you, good luck making a living. Well, I was like, all right, bet. That's, that's my challenge. And this is me saying, I'm going to make a living off of what I draw. So quite literally, freehand profit. Um, I came to continue using it because uh, there's an actor named Gary Lockwood from 2001 A Space Odyssey. He started painting after he stopped acting. And so even if you Googled Gary Lockwood art, chances are you might find him. So uh, not only was it a callback to my roots in graffiti, but it also uh, made sure that people could find me. I love it. Very strategic, very smart. So any chance we can see any of your childhood graffiti tags around uh, California now? You know, the last one I saw was fading. Uh, I was happy to still see it, but it was it was a few years old. I've uh, I put the cans down for the most part uh, as far as 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 far as writing. I still get the itch every now and then, but I won't say too much more than that. Um, of course, I, I still use spray paint uh, in the work uh, and we'll find opportunities to again, like I said, uh, you know, bring graffiti back into the work because uh, it is the, the, the first art form of hip hop culture. And uh, my art is a reflection of my passion for hip hop culture. So I don't ever want to take away from that. Um, but it was me looking for a, uh, a way to pave my own lane and explore visual arts through, through hip hop. So can you tell me about that connection between hip hop, which is often about remixing and sampling and the way your sneakers are made? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. I look at sneakers as a, a piece of art in themselves. And so what I do is really uh, reimagining them into a new art form, which is at the essence what we do in hip hop, whether it's the DJ sampling a record or a graffiti writer twisting an alphabet uh, or b-boys twisting their bodies, uh, MCs with the wordplay. It's all about um, reimagining the world around you. And uh, I twist the sneakers in, in those same ways. And uh, the reason I was also drawn to sneakers, besides them being a staple of hip hop culture, they also were reminiscent for me of the shapes and colors and lines that I saw in graffiti. So it was uh, a new letter form for me to, to um, twist about. Oh, I love that term, letter form. That's cool. So hip hop, you've said, is about the fly and the flashy and the knowledge and the consciousness. Mm -hmm. 
speaking mm -hmm. to change and revolution. You have said your mm -hmm. gas masks combine those elements too the push and pull between style and meaning. Can you talk about how they do that? Absolutely. Uh, so even within hip hop, you know, we have our own little uh, subsects of what we listen to. Uh, when I was growing up, uh, I was a big fan of a lot of backpack rappers. All my friends were uh, were mainstream uh, rap fans. And, and I found, uh, I mean, Jay-Z's been one of my favorite rappers since day one, but I was also a big fan of Talib Kweli. And I found that my favorite uh, aspects of hip hop were often when, when the conscious and the, and the, the flashy were balanced. Um, the, the celebration of life and the things that we enjoy, even the simple, even the material things, because uh, while I do explore how these, uh, how the materialism shapes our identity. I also acknowledge that uh, fashion can be a suit of armor for us uh, and can shape our identities in a good way. Um, so the, what, I, what I look to do is the sneakers represent that, that simpler thing, that, that's the style, the, the joy, uh, and the gas mask represents that, that awareness that the world is an imperfect place and we should do our best every day to uh, make a change, even if it's small, because we can't do it all at once. Uh, that, yeah, we, we balance those th two things about our world because uh, it is both of those things. It is that dichotomy of, of the good and the bad. So I'll just tell you, for me, um, it seems like sneakers have a a great deal of associations, especially in youth culture, you know, their status symbols, their mark of allegiance to a certain brand, they're an expression of identity and clout. They can testify to hours spent or work put in waiting in line for a coveted sneaker release, I guess what you would call fan devotion or allegiance. Do your masks play into any of those associations or are they creating a new set of associations? Absolutely. Uh, in fact, uh, the first sneaker mask came about during a year-long daily project called Mask 365, where I made or designed a new mask every day, looking for materials that meant something to me. Um, and it was a little roundabout when I came, about, uh, came around to my first sneaker mask, but the story there was actually um, the idea of a post-apocalyptic world, uh, namely a post-apocalyptic LA that was divided along fault lines after a great earthquake, and that people were forced to make uh, goods of survival uh, out of what we have hoarded. In my case, it would have been sneakers, so I would have had to make uh, survivalist goods out of sneakers if, say, we were hit by some type of catastrophe. Uh, and that part of that was also um, that people would form tribes along bra uh, brand loyalist um, vibes like that. So yeah, that you, you hit it right on the head there. Uh, and one thing that I, I do love about the mass is while that's so much still a part of the work, they've also allowed me to tell so many more stories, uh, even beyond my own uh, understanding or experience. Um, you know, so many folks see them and be like, oh, it's about sneakers and it's about masks and it is, but it's also about 
what they what these sneaker masks can tell and the stories that that they can unfold um much the way masks on them on their own or sneakers on their own can tell these stories um so in that way i don't even look at it as reinventing the wheel just uh carrying that torch that um both mask making and sneaker making traditions have in them whether it be in the youth culture or the long long existing uh just human culture uh i think it's always been there it's a, a thread that keeps going i love that idea of a post-apocalyptic world sounds kind of familiar maybe it happened between 2019 and 2022 yes yes and also the post-apocalyptic associations that i see when i look at your masks they're very mad max i mean they have a certain sort of science fiction resonance um, if you've seen a lot of movies along those lines because of that like you're saying the the remixing of uh mass market material objects into something new right right yeah it's 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 assemblage it's it's found objects but it's um it, like you said very much a reference to to pop culture to um the idea of the the post-apocalyptic world and, and how we've envisioned it and how we reimagine it all the time. Um, and this was kind of my lens. This is Access Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison. We'll continue with our chat with Gary Lockwood after a short break. But first, here's more of our list of things to do around Metro Atlanta. The candelabra on the bar at Gigi's Italian Kitchen and Restaurant has accumulated so much wax that it's beginning to look like a grotto on the Isle of Capri. The drippy trio of flames is so much part of the ambience of the delightful Italian-American pop-up run by chefs Eric Brooks and Jacob Armando that it inevitably gets posted on Instagram, an unlikely mascot of sorts. When the lights dim and the Degronis miss the moment, you'd swear you were in some mythical little Italy of days gone by, when veal piccata and chicken parmigiana were the last word in American-style Italian. And yet, there is something more profound happening at Gatto's Sundays through Tuesdays pop-up. Gigi's is not your typical spaghetti, garlic bread, big salad theme night. It's more than the sum of its garish red glass votives, celebrity headshots with fake signatures, and disco playlist. Get a taste of Gigi's and Wendell Brock's review on AJC.com. Atlanta's CeeLo Green is going to honor his hero and fellow Georgian James Brown with a 75-minute tribute show that comes to the Eastern in Atlanta on June 24th. He plans 27 songs, including Brown classics I Feel Good, It's a Man's 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 World, and Sex Machine, as well as several of his own hits, such as Crazy, Fool For You, and Forget You. Tickets are on sale now. Head to AJC.com's Georgia Entertainment Scene blog to get all the details. Now it's time for this week's adoptable pet from the folks at Lifeline, who run the Fulton and DeKalb shelters along with the Lifeline Community Animal Center. Juice has come a long way in learning to trust people, and has found that people equals getting his favorite churu treats. He can't resist them. As soon as you sit down, Juice will walk into your lap to enjoy licking the treat from the tube held in your hand. He's an independent boy who minds his own business. Juice is happy to curl up in a soft bed or find a place to lounge in the sun. He's indifferent to the other cats he lives with at the shelter. To feel safe and relaxed, Juice is looking for that special someone to give him patience, love, and treats in a mellow home. 
He is also FIV positive, which means he needs to live indoors only. Will you be Juice's main squeeze? You can meet him at the Lifeline Community Animal Center at 3180 Presidential Drive in Atlanta. Head to the story page on AJC.com to see a photo of Juice and to find out how to adopt him. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. This is Access Atlanta from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The facts matter now more than ever. Get unlimited digital access to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution so you know what's really going on. And you're helping us to fulfill our mission to bring you the news that's important to you. Subscribe today at subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast and your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast to join the community for just 99 cents. Let's continue our conversation with Gary Lockwood. Are you, do you have a particular favorite pair of sneakers brand of sneakers personally uh yes uh my personal uh collection reflects my love for the nike air max 90 the most um over 108 pairs right now although I, i've slowed down i realized uh, that's probably enough of one sneaker but uh yeah i'm i'm definitely known for my love for for the air max 90 and in keeping those many pairs are they boxed are they out like do you keep them how do you wear them or how do you protect them uh i do love to wear my sneakers i uh keep them boxed in uh in clear drop front uh, drop boxes uh so that i get to see them all the time as well uh and i mean the, the beauty i found you know as my collection grew that you can keep wearing them and they'll still look nice because even if I wore a, a new pair every day, they still get only uh, worn maybe once or twice a year. And uh, that's actually good for them as well. Like uh, the, the, the polyurethane midsoles, if you just let them sit for years, they, they will um, crumble faster if they haven't been worn. They need a little bit of uh, footwear to keep that, keep that material um, cushioned. Otherwise it just dries out. Interesting. So a little fresh air, a little foot moisture maybe is the magic uh, combination. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be compressed and you know, uh, mm -hmm. you gotta work that foam a little bit so that it, it knows to stay uh, responsive. Got it. It sounds like from what I've read about you that your dad really inspired your DIY spirit. Can you tell me a little bit about him? Absolutely. Um, you know, he's the type of guy who, just like you said, he'll always do it himself. Uh, where, where you know, some parents will be like, oh, we have that at home. You don't need that. My dad would say, well, let's go to Home Depot and get the tools to build that. Um, and I, that's also where some of my love of the gas mask comes from, where other kids may have had 
um, a He-Man costume. I had a gas mask from the Army Surplus store and a wooden shield that we made in the garage. So um, I guess this is all just a continuance of that, just playing dress up with my imagination and, and a few power tools. Um, so, you know, I, I, I do like to uh, give him credit for, for that because um, I see that not everybody has that and I am I'm grateful for it. And was he an artist or just a really creative soul? A craftsman, I would say. You know, he he uh, would. Both of my parents would deny that they have any creativity, but uh, I I see it more than they're willing to um, own up to it. My mom uh, has always done something, whether it's crocheting or cross stitch, and uh, yeah, my dad's worked with with wooden computers and. Uh, for as long as as long as I can remember. In fact, uh, we used to have a, a plotter uh, when printers still had the, uh, the tear away edges uh, on the print paper. Um, and, and the only thing we could really print on the plotter were uh, sketches of F-14 Tomcats and various airplane schematics. And that was my coloring book. So like, there's always been this blend between the analog and digital art for me. And um, I just, I keep going with that, uh, trying to use as many tools as I have access to. And I definitely got that from him because uh, we always figured it out together. I love that. So it's my understanding that you only use one pair of sneakers to make each of your masks. How long does it take to make one of them? Well, I, I would say that at, when I first started, that was my goal. Um, since then, I've definitely broken that mold a few times as far as using just one pair per mask. And sometimes that's because of the sneaker. Uh, either it doesn't have a lot of material uh, or it could be because of the collector or the concept. Maybe they want to use more material or um, something like the elephant mask, of course. Uh, something of that scale, I needed a bit more material uh, to work with. And on that note, too, uh, being that each one is so different, you know, I used to say it takes about four to six weeks to create one. And that would be at the, the core of um, just reimagining a single pair of sneakers around a gas mask. These days, there's techniques involved like 3D printing and such that can add quite a bit of uh, time to my production schedule. And as the, the concepts and requests uh, for, for really wild commission grows, uh, the amount of time I spend on each piece really ex expands. So there's been pieces that I've spent years on um, and other projects that, you know, usually with, it's usually coming from a brand where they need something in a rush uh, but I have, say, uh, I did a show for Adidas in uh, Soho, and they needed seven masks in seven days. Uh, so we made that happen. Um, and, you know, it wasn't wasn't a whole lot of sleep that week, uh, but it was it was it was worth it, you know. Yeah, there's something about a deadline to to motivate for sure. Exactly. It, it, I'm, I'm I definitely feel that a lot of the work is also challenging myself. Um, so breaking the mold of thinking, oh, this takes me weeks or this takes me months and you're like, what can I do in a day? 
or and and to be honest with you the masks uh came from an idea of you know i spent my life drawing and painting and i could do work that i was really happy with in a, in a day or a few hours but i thought what would it look like if i spent weeks or months on something and uh the masks were were a result of that spoken like a true artist it's all about process um so have any speaker head speaker heads have any sneaker heads ever voiced objections to the fact that you're cutting up these rare sneakers to make your art absolutely um especially early on uh it was something that i think i had to win folks over on uh and there are folks out there that will never enjoy seeing what i do um because they just value the sneakers that much um and the way i look at it is that that viewpoint actually validates the work more than anything else uh for me it's about the sacrifice it's about accepting that there are things that are more important than these uh items that we covet and also um recognizing that the that sometimes we put too much value on something mass produced and not enough value on something that's handmade um and exploring the the line between those two things that is the proverbial quandary for a lot of artists why will you spend you know all this money on a couch but you won't spend all of that money on an original painting so right absolutely um, and you mentioned before you, your work that you do for collectors. Do you primarily work on commission, creating a mask for a specific person? I have uh, a lot of the the work has been commission based, um, and I've been very lucky to have wonderful collectors with with a lot of patience and faith in me. Um, because, like I said, sometimes these masks do take quite a while. Um, and it's allowed me to continue the work, uh, you know, over a decade. So I'm grateful for that. And while I'm slowing down on commissions to make more time for uh, what I would say the next steps, the next uh, body of work, I want to put a little more effort into like the, uh, the sneaker taxidermy, like the coyote piece that's on display. Um, I want to do more of that series, and that's something that uh, I would like to be self-driven and on my own timetable uh, while I catch up on my waiting list of commissions. And of course, taxidermy makes a whole lot of sense. We kind of forget sometimes that sneakers are made from dead animals, so um, exactly. I can see the connection. Anything else you want to add to that um, new new area you're delving into? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, it's it's still something that I'm exploring and um, gaining an understanding of. One part of it is a big inspiration and influence for me was growing up and going to natural history museums. I love the uh, the the large mammal dioramas, um, and so this is a reflection of that. Um, it also is a uh, a point of using sneakers that are uh, used and no longer wearable, whereas the masks that I've been making for so long have, for the most part, been dead stock or un unworn sneakers. Um, so it's it's practical in a lot of ways. It's uh, the next step 
for towards what I would think um, would be my ideal display, if that makes sense. I, I'd love to have each of these masks uh, with their own uh, spirit animal in a full museum diorama. So um, one step at a time and uh, just keep keep headed towards uh, those those mountaintops. And it sounds to me a little bit um, related to the world we live in, in terms of environmentally aware, trying to repurpose and reuse something so it's not just tossed in the landfill, thinking about the animals we consume for all of these uses and trying to to use every bit of them somehow. Exactly, exactly. It's, you know, these things, uh, they still have some use and it's up to us to, to figure out what it's gonna be. So I kind of wanna be a fly on the wall when an undergrad tells her grandparents she is studying sneaker design at the Savannah College of Art and Design, which now has a sneaker minor. Has it been similarly challenging to explain to family or non-art audiences what you do? Uh, I would say, you know, my family has always known that I was going to be an artist of some sort. They may not have a direct line to understand why I'm making the sneaker mask, but they've always been very supportive of it. Um, it is a question that I, I, <laughs> I kind of not necessarily roll my eyes at, but I, I can catch my apprentice rolling his eyes when, when the question comes up. Uh, like, oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm an artist. Well, what type of art do you make? I make sneaker masks. And, oh, wait, what? <laughs> so it is something that I've I've uh, grown to accept that I will have to explain, and that um, sometimes it's just simple to, simpler to have a photo on hand so that you can show. Oh, this is what I do, and these are the sneakers that it was made out of, and. Uh, you know, the great thing is, is that it, it gives me a chance to to tell somebody about my work and, and it's something that I'm very passionate about. So um, it's probably the thing that I like to talk most about, of course. I mean, I'm sure that's similar for most artists. It's it's what I spend my all my time doing um, and it's what I know the most about. So, yeah, I I, uh, I guess I've grown accustomed to the to the surprise and the, the questions that come with it. Yeah, I'm sure you're you're very fun at cocktail parties. So thank you, Gary, for for taking the time to speak with Access Atlanta. And people can look for uh, Gary's exhibition of sneaker masks through September 11th at SCAD Fash on the top level of the Savannah College of Art and Design campus at 1600 Peachtree Street. I can't wait to see the show. Thank you so much for your time, Gary. Thanks for having me. It was great talking to you today. The AJC brings you the best of what's happening in and around Atlanta on AJC.com, along with deeper looks at trends in arts and entertainment and compelling looks at lost bits of history. Here's a taste of what you'll find there. Whether you read them to yourself when you're a child or you read them aloud to your own children, everyone who has encountered the Choose Your Own Adventure book series popular in the 80s and 90s adores them. Broadly classified as a game book, the series casts the reader in the role of the story's protagonist who has to make a series of choices as the narrative unfolds. 
One of the pleasures of the book is the alternate endings and seeing the different ways the narrative changes based on the reader's decisions. Among the format's biggest fans is Atlanta author Laurel Snyder, whose new rhyming picture book was inspired by the concept. Read our interview with the author and find out more about Endlessly Ever After on AJC.com. Now that spring is officially here with summer-like weather in tow, it's time to head outside at home. Decorate a balcony, patio, porch, or backyard to create a relaxing outdoor oasis, work from home space with a backdrop of beautiful oversized planters, or a warm and welcoming place for family gatherings and play. We've talked to some local experts who recommend assessing the intended use of the space and extending your interior decor and color palette into the outdoors. Get more tips on ways to maximize your wide open spaces on AJC.com. If you're listening to this podcast on AJC.com, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AJC.com. The podcast is edited by Tyson Horn. The theme music is by Bo Emerson and Billy Guin, and I'm your host and the AJC's arts and entertainment editor, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.